Buckle up, it's time for That's How I Roll with Jeremiah Isley, a podcast about the games we play and the lives we live. That's How I Roll is presented by Theology of Games. Visit theologyofgames.com for the latest in tabletop gaming, news, reviews, and interviews. And now, here's Jeremiah. Okay, welcome everybody to a very special new era version or episode of this podcast. That's right, it's That's How I Roll. I'm Jeremiah Isley. I'll be your driver today. I'm taking you home with me, but not in the weird, creepy, abducting kind of way. Um, Yeah, so if you've listened to this podcast before, it's been called My Drive for the first 12 episodes. But over the time that I've been doing it and um, just kind of reevaluating things and, and checking things out, I decided to change the name and sort of go with something that is a little more in tune with what's going on here. Um, and so people are already beeping today. Okay, it's going to be that kind of day on the road. Anyway, so I thought, hey, um, that's how I roll. In other words, that's how I play games. That's how I uh, perform when I roll, do dice rolls during games, that sort of thing. But it also spans the fact that I am, in fact, rolling down the road and driving home today as I record and every day that I record. So I hope you like it. I've had some really great feedback about this idea and um, hopefully now that we've kind of got that settled, we can move forward and and cover all the topics that I want to talk. And that is games we play and the lives we live. Do you have a question for Jeremiah? A topic you'd like to hear him tackle? Just shoot him an email at theologyofgames at gmail.com or tweet at theologyofgames. And today's discussion is our game expansions. And this, this topic came from Brian Drake, known as at the Brian Drake Show. This guy's trying to brake check me, really? I don't know what's up with that. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> so, game expansions. Uh, big shout out again to at the Brian Drake Show for uh, tweeting me and getting a hold of me and saying, hey, let's let's talk about uh, game expansions. So he he referenced um, the Tokedo expansion which he said is a good expansion it adds dimension to the game but it doesn't muddle it up it doesn't change the gameplay and I agree I think um, if you're gonna expand a game what I want is a little more of the same that adds some replay value but also I want to be able I want it to kind of change things up a little bit you know add a little little more depth to the game maybe but what I don't want an expansion to do and that's that's sort of those are two of my main criterias for a good expansion um, a good expansion gives you a little more replay value adds a little more to what's already there and adds a little bit of depth to it as well so that maybe a couple new wrinkles but when you play the game you're like oh this is still whatever game it is 
what I constitute as a bad expansion is a game that does the opposite of that. Um, it it creates and ex the expansion creates a, a, a really different feel to the game. So you're like, oh, I, I think I, I just kind of like relearned this game. And then the worst thing that can happen is that um, a designer or a publisher will try to fix a game with an expansion. And I think you guys probably know what I mean by that, but I thought I'd run down, I, I kind of listed a few of my uh, favorite, my favorite expansions and show a couple examples of what I feel are good expansions and, and bad expansions and, um, and then open the conversation up to you guys. And so let's go from there. All right, here we go. So I think the King of Tokyo power-up expansion is fantastic. And I'm so glad they're actually, we wrote on, on Theology of Games uh, a few weeks ago that they're expanding um, King of New York, which is great. It's, it adds another little wrinkle to the game and it adds a lot of fun to the game, but you're not relearning King of Tokyo. It's still the same game, but it's perfect. And you don't find much reason to play without it. Um, so it's a very good, very good expansion. I think one of my all time, and this is, you know, this is kind of a classic game. So maybe I'm not really giving you anything groundbreaking here, but I think one of my favorite all time expansions is the Inns and Cathedrals expansion for Carcassonne. I can't think of the last time that I played Carcassonne without that expansion. It adds a few more tiles into the game. It gives you the larger meeple. I, I, I'm sure there's some sort of name for it, but um, it adds just enough. It still feels like Carcassonne, and, but it gives you another little strategy wrinkle for, um, for when you're playing that, that, meep, that large meeple and you're trying to maybe bust in on somebody and, and overtake some of their, uh, you know, their, their farmland or their castle or whatever they're building. So that to me, that's a classic expansion and it's one you never have to take out um, for any reason. I, I often teach the game to a newcomer using that expansion and it, it totally works. Um, some other good expansions, I think, um, I'm, I'm really behind on them, but Smash Up does a really good job at expanding, and sometimes there's a few new things that some of the cards can do, but none of the expansions break the game, and it just adds a ton of variety and more, more factions, more teams that you can put together and play with. Um, so they do a really good job with that. Uh, let's see, what other good ones did I write down? Um, so I wanted to talk about, I guess we're gonna, we'll move on to some examples of good ones and, and bad ones. And I think um, within the living card game universe, there is an, there's examples of both. For instance, and I'm gonna kinda just sit on Fantasy Flight games here for a second. Um, the Lord of the Rings, the card game, which if you've listened at all or if you know me, uh, you know that's my f one of my favorite all-time games of, of all time. <laughs> um, those expansions are great because 
I mean, for one thing, you kind of need them to keep playing the game for the re replayability. You know, you go through the quests, they do the different cycles with six different um, adventure packs and so forth, so forth, um, or they call them chapter packs. But then they do the deluxe expansions, which add another dimension to it, and, and it keeps expanding that universe. They do a really good job at that. And then also, I talked recently on this podcast about um, uh, the Warhammer 40k Conquest living card game and how they're expanding that very well. And it adds new cards to all the factions every time. And it just, it adds enough. And especially they, they just did the, the deluxe one that added enough to the game, but didn't completely trash the game. Uh, on the other side of that, the Star Wars living card game you can't play that without the, um, I believe it's called the Balance of the Force expansion. It's the first deluxe expansion that makes it multiplayer, um, three or four player. Because before that, uh, if you just play the base game and you're playing the light side, just prepare to be destroyed because you're never going to win. You just, you can't. It, the dark side is so overpowered, they, they truly... I feel they designed that game to be fixed in the expansion. That's my personal opinion about it. I'm sure people might disagree with that, and I'd love to hear your your take on, on that side of that argument. But I, I totally feel like you have to have that expansion to make it playable, because otherwise the dark side's going to win every time. So you need that expansion to play two or three players on the light side versus the dark side. So to me, that's sort of an, an example of that. So that brings us to... Welcome to the corner of thought and conversation. Which way will you turn? Why not hang a right and join in on the conversation by tweeting at Theology of Games or sending an email to theologyofgames at gmail.com. That's right. We're at the corner of thought and conversation. I'm spewing out my thoughts and I'm giving you my thoughts on this subject. And that's all it is. It becomes a conversation when you join in. So please, uh, like we, like the nice lady just said, shoot a tweet out at Theology of Games. Drop me an email. I really appreciate it. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, maybe you guys know of some expansions to some games that I have that I, I haven't played yet or haven't gotten a hold of, and I'd love to check them out. Maybe I'm really missing out on something. Um, or maybe there's folks out there listening that are considering buying an expansion and you can ward them away from making a bad choice. <laughs> so please join in the conversation and let's get that rolling. It's time for the feedback loop. Get in on the conversation by tweeting the show at Theology of Games or emailing theologyofgames at gmail.com. Okay, so the last episode, we talked about uh, the, the concept of gaming lounges, and I had some feedback on that that I wanted to kind of give you. Uh, but before we do that, real quick, I did mention that Alan had given some other feedback via SoundCloud, and I forgot to mention that. Um, but he, he wrote in about the episode that I talked about um, the spoils and gaming content and how we went about reviewing. And his comment was really, you know, be yourself and, and be true to yourself as a reviewer 
Um, just quickly to recap that conversation, I had talked about how we we let the, the publishers know in advance that, hey, we're probably predisposed to a certain view of, of the spoils because of the gaming content and what takes place in the game. And we just want to let you know that. Um, and they were very understanding. And I just kind of asked, hey, what, what do you guys feel about that? And so Alan was very, very understanding. Um, but I, have, I, I guess I have another question that I want to throw out there as a, as a response to Alan's response. And that is um, that we, we need to be, he said we need to be true about ourselves and our opinion on the theme is important, especially because of our target audience being theology of games. And I'm curious as to how many of our readers and listeners tune in or, you know, dial in or, or follow our, our blog and read our reviews simply because of our, our faith-based background. Or do you see us as a legit gaming site? I mean, this is kind of a big question because the last thing that I want to do, and I'm sure Scott wants to do, is is just sort of cash in on our faith. And um, so I wanted to I wanted to kind of get some feedback on that. Do you do you truly appreciate our our view on board gaming just as our our, our look at the games? as themselves or do you simply tune in because um, you agree with our our background and our out view on life and culture and media and whatnot um, so I'm really I'm really curious about that because I feel I feel like we do a good job of covering a game on its merit alone and then also sort of as a side injecting our viewpoint on it as far as our how it pushes against our faith or doesn't um, so I'm, I'm very curious about that so I'd, I'd love to start that conversation as well other stuff in the feedback loop today um, Charles uh, I can't read my writing <laughs> I'm driving <laughs> Charles Waterman I believe it is gosh Charles I'm really sorry if I I got that wrong but he actually is wrote me an email from uh, Kumado, Japan. Super awesome that you're listening from Japan. Thank you so much. But he wrote um, that he thought gaming lounges are an amazing idea. They're a great idea. And he said that he wishes there were any of them in the area of Japan that he's in. He said there's zero. Um, and other places in Japan that he's been at um, actually charge $15 for an all-day, uh, you know, library fee or, or table fee. He said $5 will only get you an hour at a table. Otherwise, you got to spend, once you hit that $15, you get, you get the full day, which I thought was really interesting. Um, you know, we, the two places that I've been and I mentioned before were Kingmakers and um, the Malted Meeple, and they charge a $5 fee, and that's, that's for the whole day. So a little more expensive over in Japan. And uh, I hope, I hope you know, I hope it catches on. It, it's, most of the people think it's a good idea. And uh, so that's really cool. Um, at 
Jibby Jack Poe tweeted at me and said that he actually, he, he loves the idea as well in gaming lounges and that he was actually a Kickstarter backer for Kingmakers in Columbus and he wants to do something similar in the Cincinnati area of Ohio. So hey, maybe uh, you guys could get together if there's somebody out there looking to do the same thing and uh, make that happen. Uh, apparently it sounds like there's not much like that going on in Cincinnati. So uh, spread that word if you're listening in the Cincinnati area that uh, you'd like to see something like this go down. Um, and that's, uh, that's all I've got for the feedback loop today. And I am rounding the corner uh, on my street. So I really, I hope you guys like the new name, the new, we're getting all the logistics rung out with the new look and new sounds and, and all of that. But um, really appreciate all the feedback that I've been getting. And I thanks so much for the topics and keep them all coming. Like I said last time, uh, you guys are the co-hosts because it's just me talking to myself. Please find me on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram everywhere at Theology of Games. Tune into theologyofgames.com where you can find all kinds of cool reviews and all sorts of cool stuff happening in the gaming industry. And hey, I'm home and I wanna just again, thank you for coming along. I am Jeremiah Isley, and that's how I roll. Thanks for rolling with us today. That's How I Roll is produced by Jeremiah Isley and brought to you by Theology of Games. If you liked what you heard today, take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. Thanks for tuning in, and drive safe.